1: Welcome to I Love You So Much, the podcast about the people, places, and things we love about Austin. Our podcast is from the features staff at the Austin American Statesman. I'm Executive Features Editor, Sharon Chapman.
0: And
2: I'm Austin 360 Editor, Eric Webb. This week, we're sharing an interview with Tia Williams, the creator, writer, and director of Gentrified, which is a five-episode series that focuses on the lives of three black millennials in East Austin struggling to find themselves in a rapidly changing city.
1: So Gentrified premiered two of its episodes last summer at a special event. And since then, they've been screening at various film festivals and entering various film festivals. In January, they were at the Denton Black Film Festival. And that's very exciting. You can still donate to their ongoing production efforts at a GoFundMe campaign that they've started and get a lot of updates there on what's happening with the show. They have completed the first five episodes, but now they're in the process of looking for larger distribution and they seem to be gaining some steam all right yeah cool very cool tia williams came by the austin 360 studios to talk with austin 360 radio hosts jb hager and whitney Stroke.
2: all right well let's listen to their talk
0: We have a guest in the studio that I'm excited to talk about because I read about you in The Statesman just not long ago. Tia Williams is here. (laughs) How are you?
3: I'm fantastic. Happy to be here. I'm going
0: to cut right to the chase. You're you're working on a web series (laughs) called Gentrified.
1: So growing up, everybody on this block knew everybody on this block. Now it's like we're strangers living in our own neighborhood. Plus,
3: I'm not going through all of this just to be someone's face or sexual experiment. You at least go to work today? I haven't been feeling well, so no, but that's my business. That sound like a lazy excuse to me. Well, my depression has always been a joke to you, so I'd expect for you to say that. Don't start that call. If you're going to be this irresponsible, then we need to think about selling grandma's house. About
0: the gentrification of Austin. It is. Which we've all seen, especially in the last five years. It's mm-hmm. just been unreal. I'm, I've been living here since 1980, since I was a little kid. So I've, you know, but it still feels like most of it has happened in the last de- decade for sure. Mm-hmm. But are are you from Austin?
3: So I was actually born here, but my mom moved us back to the Houston area when I was a baby. So I don't even really recall much about Austin. I was too young to remember much. But I moved back here in 2012, okay. and even just from 2012 mm-hmm. to now, you can tell that mm-hmm. there's been major changes. That's oh yeah, happening, so
0: it's unbelievable. Yeah. And so I got a lot of questions
3: were were you a a filmmaker
0: first uh, and then you decided this would be a good story or this story has moved you to be a filmmaker or is it something in between
3: So it's kind of something in between. I was an extremely new filmmaker. Um, I used to write all the time. That was my thing. Um, And someone that I knew at the time told me that I should think about directing. So I went and looked into the Austin School of Film and took a class there for directing. I think I did um, maybe two small projects before I sat down and tried to tackle Gentrified. So a newbie who was already exploring film, but then this story was extremely important to me. So it's kind of catapulted me into the um the public eye a bit more
0: okay and and we'll get to details of when and how you can see it it's it's in the works right now so we're we're kind of getting this before uh it's really out there but i still think that's great my understanding is that it's a fictional narrative based on real life stories. I mean, they're, they're actors or, or is it documentary style? Do I have it wrong?
3: No, it's not documentary okay. style, um, but it's not necessarily based on anyone's life in particular. There's not one specific person that I'm telling a story about. So I wouldn't say that it's based on a true story, but it is um, a fictional narrative. Yes,
0: but The, the character it's based on three. It's, it's, it goes around three millennials dealing with gentrification, exactly, correct? Correct. So, are these their own stories or are you writing this, those stories for them to so, act out
3: yeah i'm actually i've written these out okay yeah so i wrote down um where i sat and i wrote about 64 pages i believe in a night um wow. and yeah i can't, the story I can't kinda read kinda came. 64 pages in a night <laughs> listen when i initially started script writing i didn't think i would ever get to a point where i would get past 10 pages let alone see 64 wow. but i think that For me, it was just the story, just kind of literally poured out itself. Yeah, it just came out, um, and it just came out on the page. And and
0: give me a short version of each character. Those those three characters.
3: Absolutely. Um, So Coretta being the main character, I'd say she has um, the most similarities to me and my real life. Um, She's dealing with battling um, Gene Rafter, Coretta King. I actually did Um, and it was initially my initial idea was to do like this comedy um, and that's where the the name kind of came from there's this joke but I sat down and I said okay we as a people black people we we're used to having to laugh at our pain so I changed that and I was like I don't really think gentrification is anything I want people to laugh at I really want them to kind of understand Mm -hmm. the people who are going through it Mm -hmm. Uh, so with Coretta's character she is dealing with the grief and uh, the passing of her grandmother And she's trying to figure out how she can keep this home that her grandmother left her on the east side, the generational home. How can she keep it in the family? So she's kind of battling um, financial struggles, um, fighting depression, dealing with grief, dealing with loss, and honestly just dealing with the fact that everything around her is changing. Um, Her brother, who is another character, uh, recently gets married and he kind of seems like he's moving on with his life. And that's also a part of the problem for her. She's like, okay, my grandmother's gone. Here my brother is. And now he's getting married. He looks at gentrification um, through a different lens. And his wife also doesn't necessarily agree with the way that Coretta and other individuals see gentrification. So they kind of have a bit of a conflict Um her brother is like, OK, well, if I can make it out and I can do well, everybody can make it out and everybody can do well. So we kind of deal with that sibling dynamic. Um, the differences between um, how people see gentr- gentrification, because not everybody sees it as a bad thing. Right. And the final character, Dania, being Coretta's best friend. Um, she's a part of the LGBT community. She identifies as a queer woman, um, ends up on her friend's couch because her mother and her stepfather don't agree with her um how she identifies um or her sexuality and so she's trying to find a place of her own and dealing with the rising cost of living which i personally can identify as well because when Mm -hmm. you go to look for a new place now it's like whoa (laughs) okay i gotta move to flugerville or round rock or someone outskirts to even afford you know to stay here so that's the kind of everybody in a nutshell
0: i got a question one thing you said you're going to tell me that black people have depression too
3: Oh my God, we do. <laughs> I'm a you know? real smart <laughs> it's okay. It, <laughs> it's okay. I do the same. It's the same problem. It's the
0: same problems outside of the gentrification issue. Mm-hmm. It's the same problems everybody has, yeah. right?
3: True. But the only problem, or the, the reason I really wanted to kind of dive deep um, and deal with the battling of mental health, is because I don't think that black women or black people are afforded some of the same. Um, Leeways when it comes to us battling depression. If you see um, a black woman myself, I've even been told I can't be battling depression or anxiety. I'm just angry. Mm. Oh yeah. So, I mean, in 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 the culture, is it something
1: that isn't really talked about as often as say in you know the. Caucasian culture. I mean, we're talking about it all the time. We're
0: whining. We're really whining.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I do think that there is a difference in how we handle it, and I think that that goes back um, further than than any of us sitting at the table from us being here, but um, I do think that us as a culture, we don't speak about it as much, Mm -hmm. and therapy and talking to someone has been a bit of taboo for a very long time. I think that we finally are coming into a place where we're seeing a change in the black community with that, where we're more open to discussing our issues with someone from from the outside but previously it was um, very taboo it's more of a we keep everything that's going on in our house we mm-hmm. deal with it ourselves and that's just the way it's always been and it's looked at as you, you are trying to be strong You and if you are admitting to things like that anxiety depression then you're not strong you're exactly. not a strong woman exactly yeah. so you deal with it from, from different perspectives a lot of people look at it as um, angry black woman is a stereotype that I myself I hate to hear a lot because people forget that behind sometimes or not sometimes all the time, Behind that anger, there's a lot of other things that Mm -hmm. we're dealing with that we don't necessarily have anywhere to go or um, have anyone to talk to. I'll say myself, living here in Austin, there was a point where I was seeking a therapist and I really wanted to have a black therapist, a black woman specifically. Oh my gosh, statistically you
0: probably couldn't find one.
3: I could not. I literally sat on the phone for hours and I'm crying and all these people are trying to help me and I'm like, but you don't have anyone available. It was Mm -hmm. either there was no availability um, or the black therapist in the area, the very few that I could find didn't accept my insurance and it would have to be like a private pay situation. So it's like that is also something that people probably don't think about when it comes about or when they think about the stats as far as who lives in Austin, our health care, you know, different things like that.
0: It's, it's interesting timing with the Richard Overton story mm-hmm. in yeah. East Austin. He was our oldest World War II veteran for those who don't know. And they've moved to make it a historical landmark and yes. keep it because he was always sitting out there with his cigar and his whiskey.
3: Yes, and I'm, <laughs> I'm so excited that they did that.
0: Did you meet that um, family? or?
3: I did not. I have not met them. I didn't get the opportunity to. Um, I did include him in our our first teaser um, it was called breaking news um, and I include photos of him I wasn't sure how many people would actually kind of catch that but yeah
0: yeah the, the but the homes like Richard Overton's mm-hmm. that porch mm-hmm. they're disappearing
3: they are They're, like, crazy. They are. Um, The house that we used to film in, the homeowners who allowed us to come into their home at the time, they were actually on the verge of losing their house, and it was a generational home. Um, You go into the back of the house, and they had, like, this really, really old kind of a barbershop where people would come get their hair done. And it just... it. There's so much history in their house that it's been in their family for so long. And I'm like, that's what is happening to pretty much everyone on the east side. And directly next to them is this Airbnb um, that looks nothing like any of the other houses Mm -hmm. around it. And I think I went back to the neighborhood recently and there's already two additional homes Mm -hmm. built across the street since we started filming there in April. So they're disappearing.
0: So let's talk about some of those those numbers. And there's and if I get any of these wrong, please correct me. But I believe the African American population in Austin is roughly eight percent. I do believe so. And I and I don't know if it's changed. I assume it's not. But I remember a few years ago reading something that for a major city, mm-hmm. it's the only major city with the African American population on the decline.
3: Exactly. That's dwindling. Wow. That is true.
0: This is what this is all about. It's on the decline. Where are they going?
3: So I saw an article um, not too long ago where they talked about how Pflugerville is becoming this, this booming um, with people of color. And I'm like, okay, that's great. But let's not forget why um, so many of us are moving there. We don't have anywhere else to go. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of have to move to the outskirts mm-hmm. in order to afford to live here, which is an, um, another issue within itself. But yeah, it's definitely dwindling. I do believe it was 8%. I think it, we may be down to 7-ish. Wow. I'm not a numbers gal. I tell people right. all the time, even <laughs> with the um, the series itself. I wanted to get away from stats because I think that when you start talking about numbers people become numbers and people are easily forgotten when they become numbers and not names. Um, so I keep the stats out no, of my way. No, that makes quiet. sense.
0: You're telling human stories. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So they're going to Pflugerville. <laughs>
3: Pflugerville, Round Rock, Hutto, yeah. pretty much anywhere that's not Austin.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> On the outside.
3: Exactly.
0: And then there, I, there was a quote from you in, in one of the articles I read that, that it doesn't feel like your neighborhood anymore. Because, and I never thought about it this way: the, the the places you go to shop, to buy products, to see other people mm-hmm. that look like you mm-hmm. at a bar mm-hmm. are disappearing right and left. It's not just the home. It's not just the the, the property taxes. It's, it's everything. It doesn't feel like even if you could stay and pay your property taxes, can you you elaborate on that a little bit?
3: Um, So actually that quote came directly from one of the homeowners who allowed us to use their home. We were standing outside and we were just having a conversation about everything that was happening in the neighborhood. And he said that he really didn't feel like he belonged there anymore. The neighbors that he knew, um, the people that he grew up with, were no longer on the east side of Austin. And what I remember specifically—not even just living in Austin, but I remember when I grew up, we knew every single individual on our street. Mm-hmm. My grandmother knew everyone on that street. They knew who I was. Oh, you're such and such granddaughter. Oh, I grew up with your mother. And that kind of conversation. What uh, what what neighborhood? So this is Richmond, Texas. This okay. is George Street to be exact. Okay. Um, my mother and I lived in a house right next door. Was my grandmother up the street was my aunt and we literally knew every single person on the street and I have those conversations with people on the east side of Austin and they they identify with it as well that's how a lot of us grew up. You just know everybody. And so you go from a place like that where it's, you literally become a stranger in your own neighborhood where it's like you mm-hmm. don't know the people around
0: you. You turn around and you, the, your neighborhood beauty shop became a juice land.
3: Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Did you watch the series? Did you <laughs> no, peek I haven't, into something? I haven't. Are you sure? I swear I haven't seen <laughs> it. hilarious. Are you sure? I just,
0: you know, I ride bikes a lot and I and I go, I, I live just south of the river and I go east a lot and I've seen it. Mm-hmm. I've I've seen those exact changes. I go, wait a minute, that juice line wasn't here yesterday.
3: Because they're thinking, I'm thinking about what's popular and, and thinking about the consumer who is here now. We're going to yeah. cater right. to whoever is here. And, I think that for um, the longest time, and I think a lot of people still don't really even know what gentrification is. They don't know what to tie it to. It's like, okay, we kind of know, but. Does that have anything to do with the fact that I can't find an apartment? Does it have anything to do with the fact that I was priced out of an apartment? Uh, Just little things like that, that a lot of people just don't immediately say, Okay, this is gentrification at work. This is what it looks like. Um, And then you have a lot of people who just say it just means that things are getting better. They're coming in and we're getting rid of the riffraff or, you know, whatever the case may be. And we're getting new things. But it's like, okay, what is happening to the people who were there before you? Where are right. they going? Who's right. taking care of them? And you lose that sense of community. The thing that people, I always hear that you move to Austin because of that. I'll keep Austin weird. Mm-hmm. It's a creative city, that culture, the music, the food, the just random people that you can meet on the street. And it's like, OK, but you're pushing those very people out of the city. That's what people want, but you're you're forcing us to leave. Right.
0: Have you been following the de- the development at Riverside and Pleasant Valley, where five big apartment complexes that were pretty affordable are going to get redeveloped? And into- I did see that. Yeah,
3: I did see that.
0: That hits home, right?
3: It does. Um, I think that a problem that we're probably going to see a, a lot more of is homelessness in Austin is, is a really big issue, and I think it's just going to continue to get worse the more and more that. So now we don't have even have affordable housing and you don't hear much about more affordable housing coming here. You hear about Band-Aid fixes, not long term mm-hmm. um, fixes or anything being put into place to really address the issue, just like a Band-Aid. OK, this will take care of it temporarily. But what's you know going to happen in the long run?
0: As a young filmmaker, I'm sure the finances are tight.
3: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it just has to be they are not. Where so where do you live? <laughs> so I currently live in Pflugerville, and I was recently maybe about a month ago, just able to move back into my own place while going through this and um, trying to bring Gentrified to life. I was actually sleeping on a friend's couch. Um, So yeah, (laughs) I'm out in Fugerville. I can't even myself afford to live in
0: If it were five years ago Mm -hmm. before the big property tax hikes, Mm -hmm. hikes, where would you have wanted to live? Where would you have chosen first?
3: So when I initially moved here, I moved north um, only because the people that I knew who were already here mm-hmm. lived north. Um, so when I initially moved here, it wasn't really, I didn't put much thought into it. I wasn't like, oh, okay. okay. When I initially moved here, I actually didn't think that there was a black side of Austin. That was one thing that I had a question about a lot of. It was like, okay, coming from Houston, I'm like, you don't have to look for us. You don't right. have to act- actively seek us out. We're just there. And when I moved here, I was like, okay, is there like a black side of Austin? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, like, you know, are we th- just in one kind of area? Yeah. And it took me a while to realize, okay, that's the east side of Austin. Austin, but outside of that, we're just kind of spread out. Yeah, but,
0: but having grown up here, if you went east of 35, north of 6th Street, mm-hmm. all the way up to 183, and maybe a little beyond 183, mm-hmm. would have been primarily black, mm-hmm. from my recollection. That's what I would have considered. And, and south of that was more, more Hispanics. Mm-hmm. Uh, down to the river but it doesn't look that way anymore
3: no definitely not
0: yeah
3: um but had i if i were able to kind of zap myself back into time and done just a bit more research before i moved to austin i probably would have preferred to be on the east side um but of course now that's not an option (laughs) i can't afford to live what are you you know i i know as a filmmaker you're you're Sending this film, submitting it to film festivals Mm -hmm. and things like that, and you're hoping that it'll get picked up. But what is it that you're hoping will come from this, you know, this discussion? I tell people all the time, I. I don't really have a lot of the answers when it comes to politics or what the fix may be or how we're ever going to truly, truly address gentrification. My goal was to paint a picture and to put a story out there that would get people talking. And I think that we've already kind of started to do here we that. are here we are <laughs> um and that's what i really would like for people to continue to do um again get away from stats and start thinking about the individuals who are actually being impacted on a daily basis and how they're being impacted uh that was truly my goal when, when you're
0: uh, writing for this and, and directing mm-hmm. do you think are you thinking of the viewer as uh, other young black people dealing with this or are you thinking of wow if if white Austin, that's moving east, sees this. Will they change their mindset? Do you or, or, or do you do that? Both. With either both. Okay.
3: Absolutely both. Yeah. Um, more probably. Um, one probably more than the other. Um, being I hope that other young individuals or young Black people dealing with this see it and they're like, okay, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Somebody gets it. Somebody hears me. And that has been the reaction that I've received. I get emails, inboxes, Instagram, everything from people telling me, thank you for telling this story because nobody is really talking about this. Nobody's really willing to tackle this. And that makes everything worth it for me. All of the struggles that I've personally had, it makes everything worth it. But there I do also hope that um, young, white or even not white, whatever your color, if you're moving here, if you're living here, think about how your actions are impacting someone else and think about how you can help um, someone else.
0: Yeah. So where are you in the process of the series and I know you you've got screenings and mm-hmm. stuff and some of the the film fest and all that but mm-hmm. where is it and when will it be out for the general public?
3: That is the question that everyone has. We don't know yet. <laughs> everyone, because the story's well, not over. Well, <laughs> the the series is complete. Okay. Um but what a goal of mine was to make sure that I was able to get the story out in more places just in Austin. So I wanted it to go outside of Austin. The way to do that is film festivals. Mm-hmm. A lot of film festivals however, have rules that if your series was released to the public via DVD, YouTube, um, Facebook, however, um, if it's been released publicly, they won't accept your submissions. Mm. So I have to kind of hold off until we can get into some of those film festivals, get it screened, and then put it publicly um, on a platform like YouTube. So that's why when we were saying, get those tickets, this is an exclusive screening, people probably thought we were just saying that to sell tickets. But I was really saying, hey, this is probably going to be... One screening that you're going to see for um, for a couple of months at least until I can get us into a few film festivals. So and, I don't then, have a date.
0: Okay. And then what do the film fest do for you to release a web series? I mean, what's the what's the benefit just to keep the news cycle going and
3: not just the news cycle, but as an as a director for someone who wants to continue directing film and wants to really break in, it helps me get in front mm-hmm. of an audience who's already there. And so if for- it's out, you won't get exactly. accepted. You're not there. Exactly. Ah. For example, uh, American I'm slow. See, it's okay. It's okay. You're going to come around once we're done. Uh, the American Black Film Festival is one that I, I'm going to be submitting to. And the Who's Who of film is going to be there as well as you can also get grand prizes. So it helps me cover financially the cost that oh. when it came to Gentrify. So if we win something, we could win funds and that can go towards the project or go towards a season two. So there's a lot of benefits to Film Festival. Okay. How did you get funded? I'm still looking, you know. Um, You have a (laughs) GoFundMe, right? Yes. So we did an Indiegogo that helped. We had um, a fundraising party that also helped. And we currently have an Indiegogo. um, But I still have about at least $10,000 worth of costs that need to be covered, both from um, costs that have already occurred, as well as things that are needed in the future. Um, So our GoFundMe is up on all of our social media sites. And we're hoping that people are still um, trying to help us tell the story, get us into film festivals and, you know, Mm -hmm. help us finalize this.
0: As you mentioned, that it was hard to find a a black therapist. Are you able to find black crew for your production?
3: So I was able to except for one position um, and everything happens for a reason. I absolutely love our gaffer. But for me, that was kind of an odd feeling. I thought that, okay, I'm going to let people know that I really want to work with a black crew because even when it comes to film, that's something else that people don't think about. We don't really get the jobs. Um, And I could not for the life of me find a black gaffer. Like literally no one that no one. And I asked a lot of people, no one that I knew or that this person knew or this person knew. knew. Like no one could give me a name. And I was like, this is kind of insane. Um, So if you are looking to get in the film, be a gaffer. (laughs) Look that up. How
0: big is your crew? Um, I bet you run pretty lean, though.
3: Well, for cost, for cost, we, we I tried to keep it down to a small crew. If I had to throw out a random number, I'd say we're probably at 15 to 20. But that's including actors as well yeah. as um, the entire crew.
0: Wow. So yeah. you were able to, to round up that many people that were talented. To, to a
3: do lot it. of people were extremely interested. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of, of the crew, um, some of them even came to me. Yeah. Once they saw that I was doing the project, they were like, hey, this is a service I can offer and I'm even willing to discount it just because this is something that's that happening and I think question. it's important. Yeah, if- a lot of people just really wanted to be on board and I still get people, um, I guess some folks who don't know that it's already finalized, I still actors, hey, are you auditioning? Hey, do you need help? A- do you need a cinematographer? Do you need this? And I'm like, well, for season one, we're done, but season two, hey, sure, um, but People just kind of identify with the story and really want to be involved. And that has been a very, very special part of it for me as well.
0: Okay. Tia, how can people follow this story? What's the best way on socials?
3: Socials everywhere. We're on Instagram as Gentrified Series. Gentrified Series. That's Mm -hmm. what I wanted. Okay. Facebook as well. You can find us under Gentrified. Twitter, we are also Gentrified Series. And then we also have our website, GentrifiedSeries.com. And all of our information is there. Awesome. Yes. It's nice meeting you. Yeah, you as well. Yeah. In. Thank you so much for having me. This is Con- good.
0: Yeah, congratulations. I mean, I love this city and the, there's, there's not everything's perfect with all this madness that's going on. So I think this is an important story.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. So thank you. That's our show. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. It helps other people find our podcast and learn more about the people, places, and things that make Austin so special.
2: You can find more than 100 past episodes at austin360.com slash loveaustin360 or wherever you get your podcasts. doesn't matter to us. If you want to pitch an idea for the show or give us feedback, shoot us a note at loveaustin360 at statesman.com.
1: I love you so much. The Austin 360 podcast is a production of the features staff at the Austin American Statesman. This episode was produced by Alyssa Vidalis. Our theme music is from local band Hardproof. You should definitely check them out at hardproofmusic.com.
2: We couldn't do this show without you, dear listeners, and we can't thank you enough for lending us your ears and your comments. You can also find out more about Gentrified with this episode online at Austin360.com. We also have a link to the show's GoFundMe campaign.